0: If you have a network, use it. Do consider your email box as a void box just to receive things. Just use it as well. You have many contacts there, many potential clients on that. And just be real. Do they want to receive a very respectful and polite email where you're explaining what you're doing right now? At least you let them know
1: what you're doing now. That was a good note. Hello, and welcome to episode 38 of WebFlail. I'm your host, Jack. And today, my guest is Carlos Sepulveda. Carlos is a Webflow animal. You may have seen Carlos compete in the speed build challenge for Webflow Conf, and he also attended in person. Carlos's background is in graphic design, but transitioned to Webflow development after realizing the power of the tool. More facts about Carlos include that he's Colombian. He's a father of one. He lives in a forest. He has an epic YouTube channel, and he's a hardcore coffee drinker. He also works full-time for Nicer Studio based in the States. The failures that we'll talk about in this episode are struggling to be visible, failing to get consistent clients, failing to balance content creation and client work. So, call Criven episode, embrace and learn from failure in episode 38 of WebFlail with Carlos Sepulveda. Carlos, welcome to the Webflow podcast. Hey, yes, that was really good. Thanks. <laughs> I'm really glad. And I'm so intrigued by you living in the forest. Where Where is this forest? Okay, sure. Um, okay,
0: people may know like Bogota, managing from uh, Colombia, which are like the main cities, but I live in Orito Putumayo. Orito Putumayo is a place that is the bit very so It's just to the border with Ecuador. So I'm just there and... It's a very small town, actually. You can just walk it through in 15 minutes.
1: And I saw on your YouTube channel how epic the rains are because there's YouTube videos yes. where it's just thundering down on your roof. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is so much rain going on. Well, it's a very tropical weather, so you kind of expect like heavy rains twice a day. So it's, it's very
1: common there. Mm. But what an amazing place to live. I can't imagine there are too many webflowers in in your town. Not many. I, I believe I'm probably the
0: only one in the full self of the country. Maybe
1: <laughs> is there a is there a big no-code movement in Colombia generally? Well,
0: uh, sadly, I'm not very aware of that. Like, I should be aware of that because, well, you know, it would be fantastic to know how many people is joining it uh actually it will be like great to know like more people doing it because i really feel alone and so if somebody else is watching this please tweet me or whatever so it will be really good to to meet other colombians or at least people who is in colombia that is is in the no good movement especially really using well
1: yeah definitely but i guess you're encouraging that with your youtube channel which is you know, Spanish-speaking, and uh, it's really encouraging for for people to to get involved with Webflow.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the key point of the YouTube channel. So I decided to create it because I want to somehow help people. Because I have this constant question all the time, like Carlos, you are doing great. How can I do whatever you are doing right now? So I just tell them, hey, do you know how to make websites? Then some of them say yes, some of the others say no. But the end goal with that is like, okay, if you really want to know what I'm doing, I'm going to record videos about what I do on a daily. Um, now I have an answer. Hey, just go to my
1: YouTube channel, take your time and learn it. And it's so cool because I don't feel like there are enough Spanish speaking channels or just native language channels especially in the webflow space so it's really really cool you've decided to do that in Spanish so can i ask you a little bit about you were a freelancer you were crushing it anyone who's listening go and check out carlos's website there's amazing work there and now you're working full time employed for nicer studio in the states so can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, your experience as a freelancer? What made you want to take on a full-time role and how you're finding it?
0: Well, okay. So being a freelancer, I, I done it for around two to three years, maybe, before becoming an employee, which is up now around six to eight months right now. So I did it okay, but, you know, being a freelancer at the beginning the inertia is really hard because you are not being noticed so you have to put yourself in the radar radar, sorry, for clients or potential clients and well that was really challenging for me but after it happens or after some sparkles of success happened in the beginning projects so it became like a word of mouth and later it, it just became easy so back in the day i just said yes to whatever happened to me like hey can you do that yes Can you do also this yes because for me working remotely from the area that i live it is a huge deal especially if you can take the leverage of uh you know the the buying power of dollars compared to the buying power of colombian pesos so um to me like having like a gig or a work that pay me $300 for a week or maybe two weeks of work. that was like, huge deal. Yeah, I, I think it, and especially the area where I live, it, even that's the, the cost of living is even less than in the main city. So it, it was a huge deal, but, um, probably because I'm very stubborn and that the kind of guy that never stops. <laughs> so that's why I, I probably not going to do it either so i'm going to get better with time that's my goal and also i really want to be considered and and seen as you know the ha- the guy who never stopped the guy who made it and who was really resilient and, and was like just providing good work
1: and is a you know nice dude to work with so that's that's the goal and then you know as you said you struggled to get clients then you started to get clients and then things became easy as you say so then why were you like oh well if it if it's easy why do i want full-time employment or what kind of how did that jump came about um okay financially speaking
0: it, it was quite a struggle to have months of very good income then the next month it was like oh okay this month is going to be like an empty month so I really feel stressed about that and probably I don't know if that was like clinical depression I don't know <laughs> but I really feel really bad when those months that were like okay am I good enough if I'm good why people is not hiring me for new, new uh, projects so what am I failing at but I believe that's that's it when you are a freelancer that You probably have, let's say, not a strong enough network to provide you enough good projects. And I believe that's a constant struggle for many people. So turning into an agency, it is a tremendous huge deal for me because of the reasons I exposed previously Like working remotely from the area that I work and buying hardware Colombian pesos compared to US dollars is a huge deal. So having a constant income uh, was something that I was considering later because of these kind of, uh, you know, roller coaster months of having and not having income. So having a constant stream has been fantastic because I can do now math and I can do like forecasts about many things in my life, that which was like not the case. I don't feel like that kind of depression or being sad about having uh, bad
1: norms. I definitely relate to this idea of or feast or famine you kind of yeah i got a client i've got money coming in and then it's like crickets um for for the next month and if you're getting loads of work you're like yes i am worth it i'm good at what i do and then when you don't you're suddenly like wait i'm i'm, I'm useless and uh it's it's really hard to kind of detach your your self-worth from how many people want to want to work with you at one time but i mean a lot of people who were freelancers they talk about the freedom they talk about being able to work from anywhere and stuff and then when you're employed you need to clock on at nine and clock off at five and you know there's a lot of differences um and maybe slightly less freedom in other areas of your life do you feel like you've transitioned okay from freelancing to full-time work actually i i cannot think enough how
0: good it is working at either studio like the agency well the studio is flexible enough to give you three days to give you free time when you need it hey Carlos if you are not feeling like working today just skip the day that's fine if you need to travel just do it but just let us know like with a decent amount of time so that's that was really cool so i feel really really free right now working especially because well i do agency work from my remote place in colombia so it is kind of the same. You have to be more constant at work, but I have the complete freedom about just taking the laptop and we'll do another place if I need to. I love that. And actually having to work from nine to five is easier because you can account that and just
1: plan your day, basically. So I really feel like free on all that okay let's hope that your boss from Nice studio is listening because <laughs> that is a glowing review but yeah that's that's really nice that you have the same feeling of, of freedom that you had as a, a freelancer but you have that consistent cash flow and you have a team of people that you can talk to and you know kind of develop friendships with learn from collaborate with that must be a really nice uh, part of of working in the studio as well Oh,
0: yes. Yes. You just said, like, if I have, like, struggle, I don't have to struggle with my just by my own, like, hey, Carlos, what do you think about the solution that we can implement to that website? And, like, you know, me talking to me, myself, now I can ask, okay, hey, um, there's uh, some colleagues I, that I personally work with. Is One of them is Robert. So, hey, Robert, we need this JavaScript. Well, there is JavaScript. Okay. Thank you. Just just saved me like tons of time today. So there are more resources, which is something really nice. You have more people, like, you know, amazing people. You have more resources and everything is more solid. Well, probably I'm saying this because probably I did it in the wrong way when I was a freelancer,
1: solopreneur, but yeah, that could be the case. Yeah, I definitely think having a really strong network, even as a freelancer is, is so important. But I do think there's this strange pride that freelancers have where it's like, no, I'm a freelancer. Like I'm not employed by someone. And I don't really understand why there's this kind of mindset of superiority when you're a freelancer. But it, it sounds like from what you're saying, being employed just suits you better right now in your life. There's nothing less about being employed full time than being a freelancer. But what do you think about that? Well, well, actually, I, I think about oh, like
0: the opposite. Probably, my mindset was the opposite. if like, you're a freelancer, oh man, <laughs> you are you, you know you are grinding like nobody else. But if you're an employee, okay, you're more chill. But one is. The company is great you know what if you work you are the graphic designer or the product or the director the creative director at tesla something like that so is it that better than being a freelancer so what if you the company that you work with is, is amazing so you can just take the pride of that be proud of that well so it's how that's how i feel like i feel like great
1: doing what i do right now Okay, let's get into your failures then. Um, I think these are none of these failures have been talked about on the podcast so far. So I'm excited to get into them. Tell me about failure number one, struggling to be visible. Yes. Okay. So probably this comes because I wasn't prepared
0: at all for what I was probably anticipating. So basically, the question initially was how can I work? Online, Like, how can I make a job or to have a job online? So I didn't, I wasn't working for, hey, how can I do workflow? Hey, how can I do, I don't know, copywriting? How can I do graphic design online? The question was really ambiguous at the beginning, like, was how can I work online? So not having a strategy was really hard because I was shooting everywhere with time and with some reading you know i learned that like you know if you shoot like a shotgun you're you're going to miss your objective but if you just uh, snipe something with a precision rifle you are going to hit really strong so i was realizing that in a very slow motion pace, like i was just moving very slow until i realized okay i learned this now i need to level up somehow if I just eliminate the noise around that new thing that I'm going to be learning and know where I'm going with that, it's going to be, at the end, a more powerful outcome. So just to put it in practice, okay, at the the beginning, I was uh, trying to do um, video editing services like uh, as a freelancer, let's call it a freelancer. I I tried that in freelancer.com then I moved to Upwork. In Upwork, I did PowerPoint presentations, and in PowerPoint presentations, I helped a lot of companies just to pitch their uh their new idea to to the world, basically. So I learned a lot of kind of businesses, and then being in Upwork, I realized that web design was really interesting to me. Also, was a more interesting niche as well, or oh, an industry, a higher. Pain industry, so I moved to web design. So those steps require uh, a learning curve in each of those steps. Then web design one like, well, web design is a new universe is oh my gosh, it's so much. So basically you have to apply services to be visible to them, like how people can trust you immediately in the niche that you are working at. So yeah, basically, that was a constant struggle. So I need to prepare, like, different, different, for all strategies per niche. And it requires a lot of digging, a lot of research. But if you apply, like, the, the correct uh, strategies, then you're going to be visible somehow.
1: Okay, tons to pick up on there. Okay, so... You were doing video editing to start with, then you were doing PowerPoint editing, and then you moved to web design and obviously from web design, web development and Webflow. But you essentially had kind of all these different potential ways of making money. And as a result, you were spreading yourself quite thinly and people didn't really know like what you were particularly good at because you had all these different skill sets And then when you settled on Webflow, you were like, okay, this is the thing that I want to be known for and visible for. But I think that's that's really interesting that your journey has not been like, okay, I'm gonna do Webflow now. It was like, I am just gonna try and make money online. How do I make money online? Okay, there's like a hundred ways of doing it. I'm just gonna try out different things until you landed on on Webflow. Is that is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That that was not linear at all. I try many things. And, well, actually, one of the strategies is implied on what you said. Like, how people are going to... Well, actually, I have emails and I have some other leads that are all coming to me like, hey, man, I need this part of presentation, like, nowadays. I just received, like, last week. Now, I just called him, hey, I'm sorry, I moved to web design, web development. Uh, Do you know about Webflow? And then I just messaged him, like, what i did like i just pitched him what i what i do basically he was like, okay that's really interesting so i'm going to consider you i'm going to tell you in my network like you are the waffle guy for us so when i was deciding or well, when i decided to move into workflow i did my homework and i emailed all of my clients like saying hey i stopped doing powerpoint i'm going to move to workflow This is A, B, C, D. This is what Webflow does. This is my new portfolio. If you want this kind of service, please let me know. And guess what? Some of the clients reply like, hey, I need that. So basically, if you build your network, use it. Message people.
1: And that's interesting as well because your network actually came from just all your different things that you tried. It wasn't your Webflow network. It was... Just your general work network. And then you messaged and said, look, I, I've changed. I want to be known for Webflow. This is what I offer and this is all that I offer now. And and you got work from that. That's really, really powerful.
0: Yeah. So you, if you have a network, use it. Do consider your email box as a void box just to receive things. Just use it as well. You have many contacts there, many potential clients on that. Don't be spammy, you know, don't, don't be, you know, don't be weird and just be real. Just like, again, pretty your clients or potential clients trees, like what they want to know. Like, hey, do they want to receive a very respectful and polite email where you are explaining what you're doing right now? If they don't reply, that's okay. That's expected.
1: But at least you let them know what you're doing now. So that was a good move. Yeah. I think a lot of people overlook this. They're like, how do I get clients? Who do you know? And then can you reach out to the people that you are already liked, known and trusted by, whether that's family members, whether that's past colleagues, whether that's anyone. It's actually so simple, but um but I think it's it's really really powerful and a lot of people overlook it. They're like, how do I get clients? And the answer is literally in their email like contacts list. And actually, that, another thing that people can do is putting your
0: social media, I do Webflow, people are going to laugh, people are going to support you, some other people are is not going to support you, but at the end, people know that you do workflow, which is the important part.
1: Yeah, I love this idea about, um, you know, you don't need to have like a crazy tactic to get clients, like actually when you're starting out, just reach out to your contacts that already you know already know and like you and trust you. I think it's it's so powerful.
0: You can have like I don't know, probably the something that's realistic, like one thousand email addresses. You know, if one percent reaches you, you not need like one hundred or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean that would be that would be ten percent, one hundred, wouldn't it? Sorry, one hundred of a <laughs> thousand. Yeah, but say. 10 clients, 10 clients a year and you're sorted. Tell me about failure number two,
2: failing to get consistent clients. Okay, so uh, it is
0: probably the struggle for companies, freelancers, whoever wants to do business and uh, whoever is doing workflow is one of the toughest things. You know, you have to be very solid with your mind because you're going to, you're going to get very stressed about that topic. You're going to be even depressed if you don't get clients in one or two months. So um, I, I personally get really affected by it, by it. Like my feeling and the way I feel or how comfortable I feel about what I do gets really affected by that. So the the, the thing that I did to get like more consistent clients basically was at the end of the project, I tell them, hey, I really love working with you. I try to actually, I took this advice from Rand Segal from their closest Influx Academy. So it is a very good practice that at the end of the project, you take that joy moment and try to get a very good review for your project. And when getting a very good review for your project, also try to somehow in a very uh, smart way, start a follow-up conversation. Like, hey, how are you doing with your project? So is it performing well? So after the project, most of the times, it's, it's going to require a little bit of maintenance or uh, support for the project. So you want to be sure that probably you, you want to offer training for Webflow. And other like services that people as a client can um, be requesting or be hiring or, well, there most of the times or it's very likely that the client himself or herself is going to tell you, hey, you did a fantastic job. Can I use you for doing a, any other stuff? But you can start that conversation and, you know, and put yourself into the first plane to be the person who wants to solve those issues like integrations for the project, things like that. Um, also, if you do, didn't do this with other past clients, you can do it as well. Like, um, just, you know, you ended the project. Now you probably have other projects that you did in the past. Try to get that very nice review. It's harder with the time that passes by, like, you know, like six months later, if you ask for a review for a project, it's going to be very weird, but it's better to, if you just do it, it probably the, the launch day or the next day. But, yeah, you have to do the, the the homework and and ask for that nice review and also to ask for support. Um, well, if you can offer support for all the projects. But what about new projects? Um, you have also to start that conversation with your, your past clients. Like, being veggie, like, hey, do you know someone that probably can lead or could need, like, any uh, Waffle project is... It, I cannot find the right words to, to ask for that nowadays. I still struggle with that. But actually, it's like, I don't know, be very professional and saying, hey, now I'm offered to for new projects. Um, I offer this, this service and I'm happy to have new connections and new conversations with somebody who might need the service. So try to be... I don't know, try to be like the company that knows who are selling and, and be very professional at sales. So no don't be like, oh, I need a job. No, just like, hey, I'm I, I am offering this. So uh try to not be like too personal. Try to speak in third person. This is going to uh to level up your way to you you sell your have products and services for other people like if you don't put yourself into a need but you put yourself like you are very busy and but you you still need to to say that because it's part of the of the of the process of the business it's going to be voluble. like you are the hunter not the person who's who's going to be hunted but yeah that's how i i try to get like more consistent work like just asking for
2: um special services like you can offer those okay i'm gonna just say back to you what you just said to me because i feel like this is gold dust information for anyone that is looking to get more consistent clients so carlos said after you do work get a review get a glowing review from that person so make sure that you do that straight after the project maybe even get on a call and say can i record this and ask you a few questions so then you get a video review as well if you just send them a text saying, hey, can you give me a review? They might just not do that. So if you just ask them questions, I found that's helpful. Two, support them after the project. Message them, follow up, say, hey, how is the project going? You know, how it, is there anything that you need support on that maybe I can support or maybe I could find someone to support you, like a copywriter. So ensure that after the project, you still continue to maintain that relationship. Three, if you haven't maintained that relationship, it's not the worst thing in the world to reach out back to someone you worked with a few months ago and say, "Hey, haven't spoken in a while. I bet you've been so busy. Let's have a chat. You know, let's jump on a call and see how you'll do it." Um, so, don't be afraid to follow up with old clients, but make sure that you try and maintain relationships. Don't be desperate. No one likes desperate people. And then the other thing he talks about is being a hunter. Not hunt it, which is an idea that I haven't heard, but I absolutely love. And in terms of, as someone that's quite an experienced freelancer now, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, I don't really like offering with painters. Like, I want to get new work because, like, I don't really enjoy like managing a website or offering services." You resonate with that? What advice would you give to people that are like, "No, I don't really want to do painters"?
0: Well, it's hard. It's really hard, you know, because retainers are boring. Let's be real about that. Like, hey, can you change the font of the website? (sighs) All right. Yes, I can do that. Not very passionate about that, but I can do that. But if you do it well, if you do it the right way, and maybe it happened to me a lot in the past. Maybe it could be an isolated case, but I... I work for deal.com, this payroll company, and by just doing retainers with them, like following up projects, I did like three revamps of the website, like three times in a row. We finished the project, they used the website, two months later, guess what? Hey, Carlos, we're going to change the website again completely from scratch. So, okay, let's do that. So, because I was there. So, doing retainers is probably something... Gets you good surprises, not negative surprises. Not all the time is boring. So just be there.
2: Yeah. I think that's really good advice, actually. Because, yeah, there are aspects of retainers that can be boring. Please upload these blog posts or whatever. But you can determine what you do for retainers. So I think that's another thing to consider. Like, yes, there might be boring jobs that a company wants you to do, but you are also the one that is agreeing to that retainer or not. So that's one thing to think about. And then the other thing to say is that sometimes the boring work pays the bills. Like, yeah, you want to do Webflow. You want to, you know, animate the hell out of websites and, and create, you know, idea and then turn your ideas into reality quickly and stuff. But sometimes clients just need you to do grunt work for them. And hey, that means consistent cash flow. I think, depending on where you are in your career, that can be invaluable. So I think that's important to say.
0: Yeah, actually, another thing that I do when I do this kind of um, handing off or part of the retainer is like when I do the retainer, I try to get a sense of what could be better in the website that truly worth mentioning. Like, I mean... um. You're doing the website, you're doing the retainer, and for some reason you know that for this company, the accessibility stuff is going to be a good deal for them. Like, um, you notice that the content for the for this company is is oriented for more for accessibility purposes. So when I do the report, the documentation report, at the end of the of the pages or changes that I do, like Hey, I made these changes today. That's what I did. Bottom line, recommendation. I can, you know, I recommend implementing this. So by doing that, what you're doing is you are upselling another service on that. So if you are like creating, just create a, a website and you see that probably animating the website somehow and applying some certain animations that can increase the experience of the website, just mention it as a recommended thing because probably was not part of the scope but then you can just mention it like hey i highly recommend this because i really see that you are going to see value in that and guess what yeah the people or your client said okay that's a great idea so can we scope that can we plan that can we can you do and give me a, uh, a budget for it
2: so that's what actually do most of the cases. like I I just highlight recommendations. And also, you're not saying you need to do this. All you're doing is saying, hey, this can be done. It would really help you for X, Y, and Z. Maybe here's how much improved another website that I did this for. If you give them data, there's such a clear business case to invest in that problem being solved. So it's a no-brainer for them. Getting consistent clients... (coughs) starts with doing good work i think that's a really important thing to say though because you're not going to get um you're not going to get flowing reviews unless you've done a good job and you're not going to be able to offer support if that client you know hasn't had a good experience with you and stuff so it all stems from from doing good work communicating well and so carlos back to you how do you do good work where should someone start if they're just like, I want to be like Carlos, everything he's saying makes complete sense, but how do I get to a place where I am actually, you know, doing good consistent work for clients? Okay, I believe Well, I don't
0: consider myself to be like a brilliant guy at what I do. But the thing that I do very good is like taking care of the details. And I take notation of every single thing that probably I get going to forgot. At the end. So that's why I mentioned like at the end of the document, you know, when I mention it like when I do the reports is because I'm trying to basically take notations about what I'm doing. Because the client mentioned something. So I want to make sure that I'm saying you know, I giving them the answer of what I of what they told me to do. The right answers. So taking care of the details is what yeah, gives you like this kind of premium level when you're doing work. So that's what I care about. And actually, that's the thing that I I really rely on that. So I feel comfortable about doing that. And I really rely on, the, on this methodology that I use, like take note of all of the things, important things, not very important, and then prioritize them and tackle them.
2: Okay, interesting advice there. So essentially, you're saying do the basics well, by having a system that, you know, makes sure that you have the bases covered. Um, I think a lot of the time there's like this idea of being a creative, and it's kind of like, whoa, we'll just do creative stuff and I'm just so naturally creative and I'm just doing colors and oh, why don't I just drop this spot here? And so, actually, what you're saying is there needs to be boundaries for creativity to actually work effectively for a business, making sure that you clearly understand the business goals, making sure that your decisions are tied to them, then taking note of every single, you know, part of that process as you go through to ensure that your aligned client's goals and ambitions that they feel heard and included is going to be the difference between doing an alright website and a great website that they want to continue to employ. Exactly. Just what you
0: said, like, hey, I think this is a really good idea but yeah, just go, go back to your document, read your note and make sure that you are not, you know, uh, going in a different direction.
2: Yeah. And making sure that at the start of your process, you ask a lot of questions and make sure that you clearly understand not just the what's like we need a how an about page, uh, services page and a contact us page. Okay, cool. Yeah, great. Um, and what color pilot would you like to use? No. Say, okay, what are your goals? Why are these your ambitions? What would the success look like with us working together? Ask those hard quest- hard questions.
0: Yeah. Actually, one of the questions that I repeat a lot when I'm trying to understand the, the, the goal is like, okay, what type of personas or people are going to be visiting the website? Immediately, I'm going to know like, hey, I need more contrast. I need bigger fonts. Or if there's younger people, I can just go more
2: crazy. Things like that. Tell me about failure number three. Failing to balance content creation and client work.
0: Well, okay, uh, probably I'm not the best person in the, in the world to understand that. And because I try to do content creation, probably I'm, I'm not very visible about that. It's very hard because you want to create good content, but also you want to do good work. And, you know, balancing that, those two those two things is it's very hard uh, because content creation is quite a thing is very time consuming. Takes you a lot of time to just do whatever you want to create. Takes a lot of time to edit that. And, and after that, guess what? You have to answer comments, questions. <laughs> so it consumes a lot of time. And also you have work to do because you have to pay the bills. So I will say have fun. <laughs> just if you're going to create something be passionate about it if you're not eh, you're going to burn out so if you feel like okay this is a wonderful topic to talk about yeah you're going to find an infinite source of energy to create that content basically
2: love that advice so what you're saying is don't don't try and get a like a goal from the content and that's be like an extra anvil on your back it's an extra weight don't need. you. Just need to enjoy in making the content, and the content will kind of make itself almost because you're just in a flow state. You're enjoying it, you're happy, and you're gonna you make better content off the back of that, right? Exactly,
0: yeah. If you're not happy, then uh, well, I always recommend just to stop it. It's going to burn out you. That's
2: interesting. Okay, and if if webflowers are like Carlos, I don't know if I should make content like. Do I want to make content? What's the point of making content? Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, why you make content? All right. Um, okay. So, creating content, I believe,
0: is mandatory. The amount of creation is what you have to decide. Why I say, like, is mandatory? Because, well, we're all living in an era that you are doing websites and you are exposing businesses to be online, to be presence, to have presence online. So you have to be in the same trend. So basically, it is not something that you have to decide whether or not to create some content to be visible. It's sad but true, but yes, you have to create content to be visible and to be uh, validated by your content or what you create. Because the, the things that you create to be visible and the quality of them is going to speak for yourself when you are sleeping basically Ooh,
2: okay awesome so how is that translated into client work if that is kind of how you how you've approached making content before?
0: yeah well creating content is to i personally i take it to just validate myself like the to be the expert in the field like Content validates me, and that's the goal uh, about what I do for creating content. And that validation also gets me into the position to get be more likely to be hired uh, to, for to get jobs. Uh, sometimes, like twice at, at the month, or like twice a month or something, something around that, I get like leads in LinkedIn. Like, hey, I'm I'm looking for a web developer. Can we do a project collaboration? Hey, I have this hire this. Uh, employment position. So are you interested in that? Now, uh, luckily, I'm very busy and I'm working for the agency nice Studio right now. And well, I'm happy with that. But I'm getting those leads because I'm posting content in LinkedIn and the, the person who approaches me is like, hey, I just saw your profile. You're posting great stuff. I'm very interested in working with you. And that that was the goal that was the initial goal like, people get to say that approaching me and saying that
2: so it's kind of top of the funnel content where it's like people aren't even aware you exist and that it gets them aware that you exist and then they visit your profile from youtube or wherever they're seeing your content and then they you know i can show wow. you that
0: like, like, you know one this one th- yeah. the starting points of the conversation is like hey i saw your profile you are doing well Flo, you are posting this uh, I can offer you that and it happened in, in Twitter in LinkedIn so yes I believe that it's
2: a very powerful way to get leads on that before I let you go Carlos what is your next failure going to be I believe right now I am getting into more
0: higher production level for content creation so I am in that journey and also I need to keep learning uh, about like more more custom stuff for Webflow. So right now I'm in those two categories of failures. There is a lot of, you know, gentling about how I'm going to handle um, um, my agenda to, to just to be consistent at those two things
1: thanks so much for listening to episode 38 of webflail and thanks to carlos for coming on the pod tons of takeaways from this episode but one big one for me is the power of your email list carlos talks about how everyone you meet in life is a potential client and there are probably tons of potential clients literally sitting there as contacts on your phone or your email list and if you don't know how to get clients why not start by reaching out to them they already like know and trust you so, explain you do web design, examples of work you've done, and see what happens. If you have past clients, he also talks about making a conscious effort to stay in touch with them, maybe sending them an article about SEO that could help them, maybe sending them a message saying you thought about their marketing pages and how they could be improved in a particular way, or maybe just send them a message to say that you have new, uh, new services that could support their business growth he talks about doing the simple things well basically good communication and a willingness to help your clients succeed by going the extra mile in attention and care will get you more work so powerful simple points there to finish this episode but i hope they're really really helpful next week we'll have matthias peters on the podcast talking about his failures stay tuned and have a lush week guys